hour. You still listening there? Bring it up there, please, here. I'm in a fantastic mood tonight, so I'm just going to warn you, it's going to be bad news, gang. Bad news. like to begin tonight. This is a potpourri tonight, a potpourri night, as uh, Joe Franklin would put it. It's a potpourri night. And uh, among other things we'd like to do before we get underway here, we'd like to give you a little information on what's happening on the sex front. And there's uh, big news here on the sex front. I have a picture here of two, uh, of two nice old people sitting here looking at a television set. You might have seen it. I'm putting this into my vast file of trivia which I think will ultimately tell them how it was in our 20th century. You know, uh, you've probably uh, begun to suspect in your life now that the reality far outstrips, if I may use that phrase in connection with sex, that the <laughs> George, that reality far outstrips uh, uh, anything that the theater of the absurd or, uh, you know, that even Woody Allen can put on the stage far goes. Can you imagine a scene here? I'd just like to see this little scene in the middle of a movie, or at least a play. Somebody, Jules Pfeiffer's not in it when it talks about this. It shows these two old people, ancient people, sitting there looking at a television set. It'd be kind of a nice little denouement at the end of the second act. It says, Virgil M. Ramsey, 86, married Eileen Derania, 72, yesterday, because the old people's rest home where they live in Martinez, California, won't let unmarried couples watch the late show together. And so they got married so they could watch the late show together. And I kind of like that. That's modern 20th century. Talk about being relevant and with it, man, to get married because of the late show. This is far more hip than anything that Eric Siegel writes in love. So this is a, a now romance. So we'd like to put these two people in our file. By the way, we have a note here from Ann Landers. A little how-to-do-it note on the sex front here. Ann Landers, you've seen her in the paper, you know, answers questions. And I'm just reporting what Miss Landers said, so I don't make the news, madam. I'm going to report it here. It says, to bra or not to bra. For those of you who have been troubled by this uh, problem, part of our vast public service programming here on this concerned station, now brings you this little handy hint and kink. To bra or not to bra? Give me a little handy hint and kink music, please. It's handy hint and kink time. Bring it up, please. The answer man answers questions on little problems around the house. Have you had problem cleaning the corners of your birdcage? Do you have problems with them washers in the sink that make the squirting noises? Mmm, ask the answer man. <laughs> Imagine the answer man getting so hung up on his steam that he doesn't do his show. He sits there all night long and goes, Thank you. The answer man brings you this question. Answer man, I am now in a quandary during this new brawless this new braless fad as to whether I should or should not wear a bra. <clears throat> Thank you, madam. And now the answer man answers that question. To bra or not to bra can be easily decided if the woman who is asking the question, it can be easily answered if the undecided woman will now apply this test to herself. You can do it right now as I tell you this on the radio. We'll give you ten seconds to prepare. All you need is a plain wooden pencil to make this test. Get a pencil lady out there, and you can try this test. 
determine whether you should wear a bra or not. All right. Take that pencil and put it under one <clears throat> breast. If the pencil stays there, you should wear a bra. If it falls, you can go braless. Forget it. Thank you very much. The answer man will be back tomorrow at the same time. Do you have problems cleaning out the bottom of your birdcage? You have good fellas with uh, washers that uh, make squeaky noises in the sink. You have a problem when your wife yells back at you. Send your question to the answer man in care of this station. Thank you. Yeah, oh, please, hello. Uh, would we, uh, is anybody out there who could let me know, uh, who, who's done that test right now? Is there, is there some girl out there? Please give me a call. I'd like to talk to you and find out how the test went. No, no, I want to hear from somebody. You've tried it? Did you pass? You did. Well, how can you tell whether you pass or not? Oh, I did. The, the pencil did not fall? Oh, fine. Well, congratulations. You're certainly hiding it from us. <laughs> uh, well, while we're doing that, I have a little commercial here. Will you please mark it on the log there, Herbert? When it comes to a happy new year, what is it, happy new year? We're past that stage. Wishing will not make it so, but going back to college will. Yes, if you've been missing those old demonstrations and all that stuff, and you'd like to get back in the swing of life, that's because a college degree is the key to the life of challenge and fulfillment we all want for ourselves. At the New York Institute of Technology, you can prepare yourself for that life by earning a degree of Bachelor of Science, Bachelor of Thermagogy, Bachelor of Fine Arts, or Associate in Applied Science, a degree that prepares you for an exciting career in any one of a hundred fantastic fields. The spring semester at New York Tech, by the way, is a very good school. All kidding aside, begins on February the 10th, or either the old Westbury campus or the new Metropolitan Center, which is just across from Carnegie Hall. they got two big campuses. Call the director of admissions, and he'll put you on the thing there. He'll send you the catalog. In Old Westbury, New York Institute of Tech is just off Route 25A in Old Westbury. The number is uh, area 516-MA6-3400. In New York, it's 888-7th Avenue at 56th Street. And the number is area 212-JU2-8080, 8080-JU2-8080 in New York. That's New York Institute of Technology. Prepare yourself for an exciting career working all them little knobs and stuff. It's exciting, isn't it, Herb? It certainly is. Now, uh, have we heard from a lady who's tried the test? We'd just like to ask her. Uh, for those of you who are curious, uh, those two old people that got married there were married by television. The minister appeared on TV and gave them their blessings. I wonder. I wonder when uh, you know one of these electronic uh, ministers. You ever have you ever stay up late enough to watch the prayer when the God Squad comes on late at night? You know. Then you get that depressed feeling. <laughs> oh, it's all over for another day. La ta This is the Reverend Charles W. Applerot of the Fourth Unitarian Depressed and Totally Confirmed Involved Sacred Heart Church of the Milky Way. Now comes on this afternoon and this evening, and any time you happen to be tuning in, give you his transcribed benefits. And uh, I, I, I like the, 
a curious feeling of universality about it. It gives you a sense of being part of it, you know. European bell ringers. How, 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 any Swiss bell ringers out there tonight? Did the lady call and say it worked? Well, how come she didn't want to talk to me? Oh, I see. I see. Oh, she did? No kidding. Well, now she's ad-libbing on the test. That was not the original test we gave. Now, speaking of on the sex front, we'd like to report another development on the sex front. Bedridden patients. Anyway, we're getting a note here from the front office. Do you feel like this is a little silly tonight? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> uh, here, a lady called. Uh, calls from the bra test. One, one calls and says, Hey, lady, works! And she's happy. It's the first test this girl has passed ever in her life. Yeah. She's really good at the one. She can hold them pencils there. Another one called and said, One fell and one stuck. Now what? Well, honey, there's only one thing to do. You can get one of those new one-eyed bras. Yes, sir. Did you know that? You can get <laughs> this for only one side. Uh, lady calls and says, poor posture makes a big difference. Listen, this, there's something about posture that a certain kind of lady digs. I mean, ever since I've been a, you know, I was a little kid, there's always somebody saying, why don't you walk straight? Hmm. They say, the posture does help. I mean, if you want to hold them pencils under your uh, thing there, it, uh, it does help. Uh, can I please talk to some girl, though, who is in the process of doing this test? I would like to do a blow-by-blow -blow, uh, a description of the test as it's being done, for those of you out there who wonder. We'd uh, like to have another little note on the sex front here. Bedridden patients, please. Give me some more of that music here. Once again, we'd like to salute the developments on the sex front. <laughs> <laughs> Bedridden. <laughs> That's it, Herb. Come on, don't get carried away. Bedridden. <laughs> you like that damn thing, don't you? You ate it? You mean you're totally neutral? Uh, I see. <laughs> Bedridden patients at a hospital in Burham, England. Did you hear this? Began to get unbelievably active when the BBC started a sexy television series on the Italian lover Casanova. Men who previously had stayed in bed rather than take exercise suddenly grabbed their wheelchairs and crutches to head for the ward with the best TV set before the start of each episode in which Casanova is seen every night on the BBC now with a succession of totally naked girls. That's the BBC. That's culture, of course. I mean, you never get away with it unless they tied in with a cultural figure from history and classics, you know, Casanova. Anyway, he's seen with a succession every night of totally naked girls. And we report here what one of the doctors says about it. Hospital doctor, Alan Wilson. Dr. Wilson says, <clears throat> Rack, <clears throat> our series has worked far better than any of our psycho and physiotherapists on the grounds. Many men are suddenly cured. Well, so, uh, you know, motivation is important in a person's life, don't you agree? Oh, we have a lady now who's taking the test. Hello, you're taking the test, huh, honey? Well, do you t did you hear the test? You got the pencil. All right, here's here. I I, uh, I have the medical information here. Now, just hold on a minute, honey. Here, uh, does the pencil have to have a sharp point? Uh, that's entirely on the thickness of your skin, honey. Well, we'll see. Just a minute here. I've got my information here. I'm looking in the medical journal. Yeah, you are talking to Stein. You better know it, honey. I don't want any uh, horsing around out there. You stay right there. All right, here it is. 
All right, here it is. No, uh, here's the question. It says, uh, you can decide whether or not, uh, you, whether or not you can wear a bra or should wear a bra by the... F no, 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 it's all right. I've got my, I've got my fake black mustache on and I'm wearing those high black socks, you know. So we'll do all right, honey. Now, look, this is a scientific test. You start with the, the left or the right. Wait a minute, that's a difficult question. You mean you got one in the middle? Oh, 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 I see. I see. You got uh, just regular, the ordinary equipment. All right, you got two, right? All right. Uh, no, no. Does anybody? Listen, I met one lady once that had five. What are you talking about? All right, it says, <laughs> no. It says, to bra or not to bra? Now, you listen now. It says, to bra or not to bra can be easily decided if you will take this test. Take an ordinary wooden case pencil. Now, I don't know. I see apparently it doesn't work with the plastic ones. Yeah, that's right. Okay, you take an ordinary wooden case pencil. That's right, and the eraser is important. It's It just says, put it under one <clears throat> black breast. Underneath. Is it there now? Does it stay there? Okay. Well, I try it on the right now. Try it on the right. You say that's the one with the scales on it? Try it on the right. There, you got it there? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the test is now being made on the Apparently, it's much more difficult on the right than on the left. Yes. Oh, you're right-handed. Yes, that would cause problems. Okay, well, you can call in a friend to help you. You say you've called in a friend to help? What was that? No, don't count to ten. Just try. Is it under the right? Okay. Is it staying there? Okay, baby. That means, then, that you have... Uh, you have passed the test. You can go braless. No. Uh, if it falls, it says you can go braless. Yeah, if, if, uh, if, if you can hold those pencils in there, forget it, baby. Forget it, baby. You look like a pile of cantaloupes going to work. Okay? <laughs> All right, honey, thank you. Bye-bye, baby. Well, that was a very interesting test. She failed the test. See, the thing is, if, if you can hold a pencil up there, you have failed the test. We've got another lady. Hello? Yes. You tried it with both. You sound like a very scientific lady. You get. You tried it with both a pen and a pencil. And the, what type of pen was this, madam, please? It's a black flare. I see. Strictly mod. What about the pencil? I see. It's a number two, Ticonderoga. I see. Very good. Soft, medium soft lead, right? Okay, and uh, would you please describe what occurred at, as you uh, did this test? The pen stayed on both sides? Both sides, clearly. Pencil dropped. Well, that presents a very difficult problem, and we're going to refer that to our specialist. If you can hold a pen and you cannot hold a pencil, I would suggest, then, that you get one of those new flexible lace see-through bras. In other words, go halfway. Okay, baby? All right, hang in. Very interesting. I would like to observe her doing that test. As, you know, it's really scientific. This is uh, WOR New York, and uh, we're all excited here. Uh, we do have a ding-dong here for you. Do you have something in there? No commercial? Oh, yes, we have the birds. <laughs> little birds. <laughs> we got a bird commercial here. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've been thinking about this lately. Here I've grown up, you know, to be a grown-up man. And here I find myself at this stage in life selling little plastic birds. 
and uh, I don't know, I don't, you know, maybe it's part of the scene, who knows. But if you uh, still are excited about these fascinating little plastic birds, which really do fly, they, they do. I got a letter from a kid here today that was an, uh, just ecstatic. He said, I am the envy. And uh, I am not only the envy, he says, I have become the king of the kids in my neighborhood because of my bird. And he said, up to this point, I had no success at all with any birds of any type. So, but ever since I got my little plastic bird from you guys, he said, it's, it's just fantastic. People are coming around, knocking on my door. There's all kinds of ways, friends, to success and to uh, peace of mind and popularity. And the minute the, the conversation flags in your office, just whip out your plastic bird. Just uh, whip it out, and uh, you wind it up, and put a secret message on its little bottom and send it in towards Mr. Bullard's office, and then you'll get movements going there. And if you'd like to try one of these birds, here's the story. This is a great little bird. He's got a 16-inch wingspan, which doesn't mean much. I mean, how come you only give me half the spot? Ah, here it is. If you'd like to order a beautiful flying bird, you send a check for $3.98 for every flying bird you'd like. And he comes complete, packed in a box with his. He comes in his own little hanger. You don't even need tag, you know, tie down fees or anything for this bird herb. It's fine. Comes in his hanger with an extra motor too. It's got an extra set of rubber bands, the whole bit, and uh, just three ninety eight. It's guaranteed to fly. Send your check or money order to Flying Bird. And you know how to spell Flying Bird. Flying Bird. Flying Bird. B U I D. Flying Bird. Department S. And certainly even you know how to spell S. Post Office Box 1909, Grand Central Station, New York, New York. Zip 10017. Hi, how are you? You like my information here on the sex front? It's been very exciting. Uh, I, I don't... Uh, we, we, we like to salute culture where it breaks out every place. And uh, we've just had Charlie in the newsroom gave us a little, little news note that things are are happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. How many of you watch these bad medical shows on TV? You know, have you seen them? Oh, there's a thousand of them. There's every season there's a new medical show. You know, going all the way back to the early days of Vince Edwards. Remember Vince Edwards? How many of you remember the name of the guy that Vince Edwards played? What was his name? Quick. Who was it? Hot Dog Harry, the third baseman? Forget it. <laughs> he played with the old Brooklyn. Yeah, hello. Yes, I'm here. You're not a lady. Well, if you're a lady, if you're a lady, honey, you're go you're not going to have any problem. That one, I don't want that one. Yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah, I can tell that, honey. Anybody that wants to try the pencil test is certainly a lady. Yes. Mm-hmm. Under unusual circumstances. A portable typewriter. You, uh, no, madam, it will not work with a portable typewriter unless you're unusually endowed. <laughs> yes. You you mean you've been able to hold a portable typewriter up? How long? Thirty seconds. Well, that's uh, that's not bad though. <laughs> Do you remember that chick that became famous here a few semesters back? <laughs> Her husband just yelled, "He's a writer." And here's his his wife is standing around with the thing there. I'm sorry, fella. <laughs> That's liable to give your writing some life, buddy. <laughs> but uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, do you recall that lady that uh, that made it big here down on Wall Street? Every day she'd go to lunch down a chock full of nuts. Twelve thousand people would stand on the windowsills and cheer. Do you remember? 
Where is she today? Uh, you know, she's joined all the other. I doubt it. She's joined all the other great. Uh, she's joined all the other great mammalian uh, relics of the past, like the Graf Zeppelin and you know all those other things. Okay, honey. Thank you. Yeah, well, many people fall asleep to me. I, I usually fall asleep about 10 minutes before the end of the show myself. Okay, hang in, baby. Right. I don't know. Hey, this isn't a telephone show. I don't want any more phone calls. What's going on here? Yeah, hello. Yes. Hello? Hello. You want to try to test? Your husband has tried to test. Well, how did he do? Did he uh, hold a pencil up there okay? Oh, he, your husband tried to test on you. You lost the pencils? Well, madam, I would suggest you, you, uh, uh, you're gonna need gunny sacks. You don't need bras, baby. You need something else. You need a wheelbarrow there. Has it occurred to you this show is in, in, in unbelievably bad taste? To a minute minority. That's true, yes. The lunatic fringe. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, thank you, baby. Right. And you say that you've lost the pencils. Well, it may it may show up, you know, years later. You know how, how they always talk about years later, Mrs. Elma Glott swallowed a penny when she was a kid, and five years later, maybe a hundred years later, it comes out of her knee joint or something? Well, who knows, you know? Right. I don't even want to. I'm sorry, honey. Bye-bye. <laughs> Sickening show. I'll tell you. But uh, and, and no more. I, this is not a telephone show. I do not tolerate telephone shows. This is a clod world. Uh, may I uh, may I change the subject here for a minute, please, if I may? I'd like to salute uh, Dumont, New Jersey. Do you know Dumont, New Jersey, Herb? Do you know it? Lee, do you know Dumont? Uh, would you please interrupt uh, Miss Brown over there, please? Would you please interrupt Miss Brown, please? My producer is deep in conversation with a lady that's trying to test... And uh, you say she's trying it with uh, one of those new uh, big red uh, ballpoint pens, those great big ones? What I want to say, I said, you know Dumont. Well, uh, people are going to call angrily about this, so you're going to want to know about it. Uh, we'd like to salute uh, the cultural activity of Dumont, New Jersey. For those of you who feel that there is no culture around our country, that uh, I would like to salute the town of Dumont, New Jersey. They've... Uh, uh, opened a whole new cultural world. Dumont launches its new cultural series this week. And they're, uh, among other things, uh, part of their culture, at 8 p.m., uh, one of these nights, uh, they're going to have, uh, of course, the Dumont uh, culture includes films. And the first film that will be shown in the Dumont culture lay is going to be King Kong. So I can see that culture is a very serious project in, in Dumont, New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, speaking of culture, University of California professor of engineering, J.D. McKenzie, has combined cow manure and old glass bottles to produce ceramic plants and bricks. The uh, product is somewhat like styrofoam and looks in weight, a little gamey, but that nevertheless is much cheaper. It is a good insulator and will not soak up water. It will not burn. It can be painted, glazed, drilled, sawed, glued, or nailed together like wood. He is now working on products of horses, which he feels have a great future, too. So if you're living in a house that's made of this stuff that this guy built, of, uh, of, well, you, you, you want to know what the recipe is? He uses uh, common or an old glass bottles to produce ceramic planks. So uh, we're moving forward. Uh, we'd like to also report there is another movement forward, however slight, in Stanford, California, where so many of our modern 
world, uh, new things have uh, developed. Special surgical masks have been designed at Stanford University Medical Center for male doctors who sport gigantic long hair coiffures and enormous bushy beards. You know, the new mod type doctor. The masks serve to keep operating rooms free of the great cloud of bacteria that is lurking in, in all that excess hair. They have these giant masks that cover up everything, run all the way, you know, enormous snood in the back and great big beard uh, case in the front there. And it covers up everything, leaving only a tiny opening for the eyes. So uh, the next time you, uh, you know, watch your favorite medical show and you see this guy that looks like he's a welding contractor, that's old Ben Casey still at work. Hey, is there a Ben Casey? Uh, we have another question here. Uh, we'd like to bring this out to the answer man. Would you please bring me an answer man uh, theme there, please? Hey, that's just... Yeah. Uh, now it's time for the answer man. For those of you who have been troubled with various problems, just send in your problem to the answer man, and he will give you his answer. And now here is the answer man. Thank you, Charles. We have a, a question here from a listener. Lately, many people have been getting very upset. We have here a listener letter, and we're going to quote this letter. Many people have been getting very upset upon discovering a lack of red-coated melt-in-your-mouth-and-not-in-your-hand candies in their bags of M&Ms. Did you know there's been a shortage of red ones? Yes, you heard about this? Well, you have. Well, then we won't, cannot continue that. Would you please bring on the theme? Everybody's heard about it. Oh, you want to hear it? A spokesman for the firm said that the reason that they do not have any red M&Ms in the recent the bags of M&M candies that you've been buying, were, resulting in the increase of greens, tans, and browns, was due to a failure of the company that usually produces the red dye color. And uh, they just didn't come up to the strict standards of M&M. This has resulted in an indefinite suspension of the red dingies, the red candies, until a better dye is found. And the, the listener goes on to say this is all good and well for the green, tan, and brown freaks. But what about me? I'm a red freak. I love them little red M&Ms. Some of us have been actually forced to drill deep down in the marrow of our basements, fruitlessly searching for remainders of that great Halloween of 1961 when M&M colors were fantastically integrated. But I'm not sure that I can hold out much longer without a red M&M. And please tell me what to do about it. He says, incidentally, I go to New Rochelle High School. And he said, we'd like to report on what's happening out there. So for those of you who are wondering what's happening on the youth scene, have a report from New Rochelle High School. It says, before, on Friday, before each football game, it is appropriate that we should have a prep rally. You know, a pep rally, the last hour of school. You know, zinger-ring, zinger-ring, boom, boom, bam. Zinger-ring, zinger-ring, hooray for New Rochelle. Zinger-ring, new, new New Rochelle. Well, anyway, he says, it's all fine and dandy. Only one problem, only the band, cheerleaders, and half the football team show up. So, in order to instill the good old high school spirit in the 3,000 struggling students after two games in October losing both, they held a mandatory pep rally. We were jammed into the gym, 3,000 of us, and all the doors at the school were temporarily locked. Teachers were posted as sentries at all important passageways. The gym is still being after the great fire that burnt down the school in 1967 is still being built, we were moved into portable classrooms and would probably have stayed there for more than the four years that we did, but some people looted the portables and remember that. Well, anyway, after this great inspiration, 30 people then showed up at the big game. 
after 3,000 bit at the pep rally, 30 people showed up, and we went down to our third straight defeat. This was quite bold of the other 2,900 students, considering the threat the president of the Board of Education made. And we here's the threat. Immediate suspension of all of you who do not attend the football game. In other words, a promise of a day off from school was made. <laughs> if large attendance was to be made the games the rest of the year. And uh, it was kind of nice. I, I enjoyed that, see. He says, uh, let's see, yeah, that's true. Hey, by the way, uh, I, I understand uh, that uh, I, 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 being an old student of commercials, I've become aware of a, of a recent sickness which has struck many uh, department stores and uh, more specific supermarkets. Uh, I'm very, very, uh, very concerned over this, uh, this uh, current uh, mania, and it might even be called an epidemic, of John paper squeezing that I noticed going on on uh, various uh, floors of uh, supermarkets. Have you ever felt constrained in a supermarket herb to walk up and squeeze the John paper? You haven't. Well, have you? You haven't either. How about you? Well, I can't understand it. It's very prevalent on, on TV. I mean, it's, uh, is, this, uh, is this because you people uh, suffer a lack, or is it because... Uh, uh, maybe maybe I'm not taking a scientific cross-section. Could that be it? Well, uh, may I hear tonight, uh, please, uh, This is since it's a scientific show, may I please hear from a lady? I'd like to talk to a lady. Because it seems to be all, only ladies on these commercials. Now, I'm not making a chauvinistic male pig remark. I'm only reporting what's on the commercial. But it seems that only ladies seem to suffer from the, the squeezing of the John Paper Syndrome, with the exception of managers of frozen food departments, who seem to do it too. You've seen that. Or haven't you seen that commercial? You have. Well, what, can I hear tonight from a lady who suffers from the John Paper squeezing compulsion and what, what comes over her when she goes into the supermarket and why she has to squeeze the John Paper? Please. And uh, I, I, uh, I'd just like to hear about this. And I would like to also understand, you know, if I can find out, what, uh, you know, just what this uh, syndrome... Uh, is there a psychologist out there who can tell us what this means? Uh, you know... Uh, so uh, I, I don't know, six one half dozen. There also seems to be uh, something very interesting going on with Japanese cars in the TV commercials, which I have not yet. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of a, of a sensitive way to to word this. It has overtones of a sickness type, but uh, nevertheless, what you didn't hear that we will not repeat it. As we used to say in Hammond, Indiana, don't chew my cabbage twice. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I got picked up the other day by that sheriff out of the, you know, the Dodge Boys. Yeah, I got a ticket. He, he works out of Waycross, Georgia. Did you know that? Yeah, that guy's a real sheriff. He, he nabbed me. I was going through Waycross, Georgia. He come out, he said, where are you going, boy? And, of course, I didn't have a Dodge. I was caught there with my hands. And Buford came up. Buford come up and says, hey, how come you ain't got one of the new Dodges? And uh, the guy says, hey, get out of here. I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking to the man here. You, you've got a New York license plate. He says, let me see your license number. And he whips out my... You know, one good thing about New York uh, license, uh, driver's licenses, this is uh, for those of you who've ever had a whip out your New York driver's license, you know that the new driver's license has been cleverly developed. I mean, the size of the driver's license is a very clever design. It does not fit into any known wallet. Now, <laughs> have you noticed that? And, and uh, furthermore, uh, whenever they, they take your number 
you know, they say, give me your driver's license. You're renting a car or something, and they want to write out the number of the driver's license. Well, the New York State driver's license has numbers that are at least 150, maybe up to 350 digits long. They go all the way around the side, up and down the back, and they, they march up and down your kneecaps and down your shoes, and they trail on the sidewalk behind you. So uh, sometimes <laughs> you, you've seen that, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's New York. I like New York. It's kind of good. And uh, I don't know what all the numbers mean, but they seem to mean so. They must mean something to somebody. By the way, here's another question. Answer man, please. Oh, excuse me. Wait, we have a... What was this call about? A lady that squeezes gin on paper. Yes. Uh, uh, hello, madam. Yes. You are a victim of the media. I see. You never squoze John Paper. You know, that's the past tense. You never squoze John Paper before you saw it on television, right? And ever since you saw it on television, what are you doing? You go into Wall Bounds? Right. And what happens? Overcome with an irresistible urge to squeeze it. Yes, and and up to that point, you never even noticed it. Up to exactly up to that point, I never noticed it. I I never had any obsession with John. Oh, and now, and you walked up and you 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 grabbed a hold of the package. And what did you do? And I squeezed it. And and uh, was it exciting? It was the most fantastic emotional release. You really liked it, huh? It was a real catharsis. It was great, huh? It and was then, fantastic. And then, uh, of course, what happened? That little old man with the with the uh, with the mustache came running up, and he says, "Don't freeze the John paper." Did he say that? No, actually, Olga the Opera Star came up and I sang see. it to me. I see. As came up and said, "Don't squeeze the John paper." Right. Yeah. I see. And did you turn around like they do to, oh, my television, where's the camera? Did you do that? Oh, right. oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> the whole thing. And then and then Derwood Kirby showed up and tried to take your detergent away, huh? No, actually, it was George Fenneman. George Fenneman tried to give you seven pounds of Brand X. Right, exactly. And you told him why you wanted to keep what product? Why, uh, why I wanted the Charmin. Yeah, and you said, you can't give me that other. And he says, well, why do you like it? And you said... It's so squeezable. That's right. Thank you very much. Okay, sir. You've passed. Thank you. All right, George. There's a scientific investigation here. You just can't uh, beat science. All right, George. Uh, would you please bring me my question, ma'am, please? Answer man is coming out again, folks. Mm. Yes, and now this station brings you once again the answer man. Are you having trouble cleaning out the corners of your birdcage? you get pieces of roast beef stuck in your teeth? The Answer Man will help you solve your problems. Just write to The Answer Man. And now, here is today's segment of The Answer Man. And now, here he is with a question from a listener. Here is The Answer Man. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you very much. Now it's the answer man, and I have a letter from a listener who says, Dear Mr. Shepard, I am confused about something which I've been noticing lately. Here are the words which appear prior to the directions for the use of Herbal Essence Shampoo by Clairol. Herbal Essence Shampoo by Clairol. And we quote, would you give me a little uh, background music, just a little subtle background, very quietly heard. No, that's the, the one that, no, my theme is fine. I'm the answer man, and I can control this. And so, I am quoting now from my listener's letter, and he quotes from the Herbal Essence Shampoo by Clairol the following words. 
the most delightful shampoo experience in the world. Like washing your hair in a fragrant mountain pool. It's a gentle shampoo made with the essences of herbs and wild flowers like chamomile, juniper, melissa, and mountain gentian. For a thrillingly fresh scent, Herbal Essence contains special conditioners for soft body and manageability at natural protein. Yes, your hair comes out shiningly clean, bouncing with excitement and smelling like the first day of spring. And so we quote from the directions for the use of Herbal Essence Shampoo by Clairol. And here is the question that our listener asks. Who is responsible for this magnificent prose? What great writer wrote these scintillating, thrillingly beautiful and exciting words? And why is he not given the credit by the New York Book Review? Why is he not credited for his great work? Who is he? Who is this person, this he, she, or it, who composed this beautiful stuff? Answer, man, please answer me. Who decides what is to be written on the back of a shampoo bottle? And what, Mr. Shepard and Mr. Answerman, is a thrillingly fresh scent? And the answer man now answers the question, what is a thrillingly fresh scent? Well, uh, well, uh, gee, uh, well, I, I, I don't know, now that you put it that way, I, I don't know, uh, I've often, uh, wondered myself, <laughs> God, you know, uh, since, uh, we're stumped tonight, uh, is the answer man, I've got a couple of minutes here, I think I, you don't mind if I tell a joke, do you? The answer, man, nobody's asked me this question, but uh, say, if you heard the one about the the uh, bow-legged dachshund and the the defrocked Franciscan monk and the Third Avenue bartender, you heard that one, huh? Oh, out of time, I'm sorry. The Answer Man is brought to you Monday through Friday as a public service of this station. Do you have trouble with little bits of roast beef stuck in your teeth and you'd like to know how to get it out? Do you have trouble with, uh, Ask the Answer Man? Thank you, thank you. That was good. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just a terrible, terrible essences of Melissa, Juniper, and Mountain Gentian. I'd like to ask another question, uh, you know, now that we're getting on the subject of commercials. Ask another question, you don't mind. I've been driving a car for, well, I, I, I hate to say this, but I started to drive a car three years before I was actually born. Out in Indiana, you know, you drive a car in your, your prenatal state. I mean, car driving, I can't remember when I didn't drive a car. And uh, I have yet, after all these years of driving a car, I have yet to develop any known uh, loyalty to any type of gas. I have never noticed any gas acting any differently in my car than any other gas. Have you? <laughs> well, I would like to talk to one of those people out there who appear on these commercials. You know, the one that, the one that where, where the laces. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just gets better mileage. That's all I know. Is uh, I don't know. I just drive in and I feel better when you have a boomerang rate in the car. It just, it just goes better. <laughs> Am I on television? You know that lady. Uh, that I'd like to talk to that guy, and uh, and I'd like to talk to the guys that are appearing. You know, yeah, well, of course, this is the new slice of life commercial. You know, this uh, 
where underneath it it says, uh, this lady is not a television actress. What they don't say is this lady from here on in is a television actress and is getting paid plenty to say this stuff. But uh, nevertheless, there's always... <laughs> There's always some lady says, yes, which one of us is, uh, is uh, which one, uh, one of us is the daughter and I'm the grandmother. You'd never know it to see our hands. Well, I, uh, I don't know, I just, just wonder how many people out there are making these instant tests. I, uh, how long has it been since you've tried to get an in, uh, a tea stain out of your sink? We just, uh, excuse me, madam. Hold it there. Hold it there. We got another question coming in for the answer man. I have one more thing though I'd like to I'd like to salute uh Stephen Smith. You all heard of Steve Smith, didn't you? He's a famous guy now in England. And he applied for a job. You heard about it in England. Didn't you hear about it? He answered a newspaper ad. He's twenty two. And uh, the ad called for someone willing to travel and wants to have an exciting life. So he went and he applied for the job. You heard about it, didn't you? He's 22, weighs 210 pounds. He took the job. The job was for a human cannonball. You know, don't you know what a human cannonball is? Have you, haven't you ever been to the circus? Where the circus is? And, oh, the great Pompini! We'll do his death defiantly, which has been the sensation of the circus world throughout the ages. He will be shot from an actual cannon. The big pendant that you see in the left wing will hurl Bombini 275 feet through the air. And this is a very dangerous feat attempted by only a few men in all of humanity. And now the great Bombini, we demand your attention. Please be quiet because this requires intense contemplation. You've seen that. Uh, for heaven's sakes. Well, poor old Steve took the job, you know. He appeared in one ad. He says, yeah, I'll take the job. He donned the special clothes. You know, they have a special Superman suit for getting shot out of cannons. And uh, he went out in the rain. You know, he's right there. They <laughs> He climbed into the barrel for the first time. And they let off the charge. Steve only made it halfway up the barrel because he weighed 210 pounds. The cannon blew in half due to the fact he was too fat to go through the barrel. He ended up in a lake 15 feet away. He stuck, still stuck inside his half of the cannon. <laughs> He's too fat, said Joe Weston Webb on the local carnival. Never mind. I quit, said Steve. That's a hell of a job getting shot out of a cannon. Forget it. And all I got was $2 an hour. <laughs> So tonight, we talk to developments in the field of human endeavor everywhere. Old ladies sitting in front of television sets marrying old men so they continue to watch the night show. Ladies trying out the inevitable pencil test. Yes, man has marched forward on all fronts tonight. And you were part of the exciting parade. This is W.O.R. New York.